Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning! Isn't shoeboxes great? Operation Christmas Child is so important, so if you would like to do something Make plans and do as many boxes as you can. Get friends together, family together, maybe you online. Maybe this is not your church, but you like to participate in touching a kid for Christmas. Listen, at the end of the program, you'll have information. You can contact, contact us, go to our website, um, and we'll, if you just want to give money, we will shop for you. Or if you want to, if you're nearby, you can bring it by. Christmas, Operation Christmas Child is a great way of making a difference. And I will give him one step further. It's a great way to have even a better Christmas is when you've done a Christmas for somebody else, especially a child. So praise the Lord for that. That's my commercial for the morning. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're here. Um, we're going to be going back into First Peter. So if you get your Bibles out, uh, how many know what those things are? Uh, sometimes we just look on the screen, but it's always good to carry your B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth. I don't know about you, but I think that First Peter is a great book for everyone to read, and not just that, but to absorb, to apply. Because you have people who are going through problems. How many have ever had a problem, one problem in your life? Raise your hand. Ah, there's a couple of people. Oh, yeah. You've only had one. How many have had two? <laughs> you see, problems and pressure happens all around us. We live in a world today that's fallen. We live in a world today that's really upside down. We live in a world today that is not the way God intended it. And the Bible even says that all the world, everything that God has created is in mourning, is in pain, is suffering. It's, if you think sunsets are nice now, you should wait to see God's. He is the sun. He's going to illuminate all of heaven. So we've talked about First Peter and we did chapter 1. Today we're going to be going into chapter 2. And we're talking about people, the book was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as Peter wrote the book to a people who live in, in Asia Minor on the northern part. They were going through hardship because persecution had, is on the church. So you had people in trials, people in trouble, people in tribulations of all sorts. You had people who were struggling, people who were uh, feeling the strains of life in every situation that we can think of. It's a tough day. It was a tough day to live. They had pains, they had problems, and they had pressures. Does that sound a little bit maybe where we live sometimes? We can take the same situation. They may be different, but the effect is the same. This person may be going through a pain over here, but you're going through a pain. If the pain is pain. It just may be different. How many of you love butterflies? You like butterflies. Well, I'm going to give you a little butterfly education today because where we're going is about transformation. Where it's going is once you, you're saved, then all of a sudden now you're going to be careful that you do not take on, I call it junk or sin of this world. I, I don't know about you, but in chapter one, we saw all that God has provided, all that God had done, all that God said he was going to do, all of the beautiful stuff. And then we've seen a reminder of this even when we go through trials and tribulations. When you look at a butterfly, a butterfly has four stages 
before he becomes a butterfly. It starts off with a butterfly. The butterfly will go ahead and it will um, lay its eggs on a leaf. And then after he lays his legs, legs, his eggs, if he lays his legs there, he's not going anywhere. That's where he's going to stay. Well, he has wings. But anyhow, he lays his eggs on a leaf and that egg then turns into lava. Lava is the caterpillar. Now, just out of curiosity, how many of you like caterpillars? I know there's people who like caterpillars. There's other people who love the butterfly. But there are people who like caterpillars. So they turn into the caterpillar. Now the caterpillar will eat and eat and eat. And it will come to a point where they will stop eating. And then finally they will go into not a cocoon. A cocoon is more of a moth. Most people get that. But they, they go into this stage called a chrysalis. A chrysalis is a, like a form that just hangs from a leaf or hanging from anything, actually. And there's where the transformation takes place. But this caterpillar then kind of totally disintegrates. And then all the way from the caterpillar comes now a butterfly. Now, you have to understand that, you've heard this before, that during the chrysalis, as he breaks through that walls there, you can't help him or you can't help her. Because if you do and you help that butterfly through the struggle, because when you see him, you think, oh, that thing's in pain. He's struggling. It's the struggle that makes him the ability to fly. And if you, now watch this now, watch this now. If you get rid of the struggle, you prevent that butterfly from flying. You actually hurt the butterfly by helping him out of his little wrapped up chrysalis there that he's in and he's pushing his way he's pushing his way but when that happens he strengthens his wings when he's doing he's flapping he's moving he's drying he's in the process of drying is taking place and his muscles and all his fibers are being strengthened breaking out of those walls now watch this now in the midst of the struggle comes the strength to fly think about it now in the midst of your struggle that you may not like God may be doing something in you to give you the strength to fly higher. None of us love the struggle. Nobody's going to say, oh, you know, how many times you pray this? Lord, please give me more struggles. I really appreciate it. Has anybody prayed that? Huh? I don't think if you, don't, if you have or have, well, you're, you're the minority. But, but, but understand this. In the aspect of this transformation that takes place from a caterpillar to a butterfly, God has done a transformation with you. Now, let me share with you something that I just did. Often when you look at a believer, um, bullfrogs and butterflies, um, they give a type of what happens to a Christian. Because a Christian goes through the same things. You're born and life happens. And when you are born, you must have been the cutest little baby anybody ever seen. They probably pinched your cheek and said, look how cute she is. Look how uh, handsome he is. Oh, pinched the cheek and wonderful. But that little rascal's a sinner. That little rascal was, rascal was born in sin. I can say that my grandchildren, they're all cute. Uh, you know, you just want to pinch it. But they're all sinners until they come to an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so if you want to, they're like caterpillars. 
They're in, not at their point. They haven't had the transformation. And you could say that the caterpillar was born out of this egg into a world. And he starts eating the very thing that he's on. Now watch this now. But it gets to a point where all of a sudden this caterpillar gets to a point in his life where he stops eating and it goes into that sack. And in that sack, there's a transformation takes place. And when he comes out of that sack, he is no longer the same creature. He don't even look like the same creature. He doesn't even have the same colors that he first came into. He actually, if you ever want to see the transformation, the metamorphosis that takes place in that little sack, it's unbelievable. You want to talk about creation? You want to talk about somebody that, you want to talk about something of God that, Shows creation. Oh my word. It's incredible how God forms that butterfly from a caterpillar. I want you to understand the same thing takes place with you. All of a sudden, you are now spiritually born again. You are transformed into God's image with God's DNA in you. You are a beautiful, if I could say it, butterfly before the Lord. I want you to understand, sometimes I know that you look in the mirror sometimes and you don't feel like that beautiful butterfly. How many of you have seen a beautiful butterfly and you go, oh, look, 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 a butterfly? Or how many of you have a butterfly bush at your house? I think you do. I remember you had a butterfly bush. You do too? My mom had one at the house and oh, it would attract all the butterflies. It was so great. I mean, some beautiful butterflies. And I really do enjoy butterfly bushes because they attract the butterflies. And I love it when you sit next to it long enough, they'll come and land on you. And if you ever had one land on you, you you're kind of shocked a little bit. <gasps> he landed on me. Look, 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 he landed on me. But you are a beautiful butterfly. Have you ever landed on somebody? <laughs> Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If there's any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things become all, all things become all things leave and all things become new. Old things pass away, all things become new. You are transformed into a different person. But, but this is where we're going to go with this today because, see, when a manuscript, when God gave his word, it was formed into a manuscript. And a manuscript was given, and the way they broke it up was really in sections. Some paragraphs were shorter, other, other sections were longer. And so there was no chapter, there was no verses. That came later. But because of Geneva, because of Geneva, it's all because of her. Because in, 19, uh, in 1560, the first English Bible that came out with chapter and verses was the Geneva Bible. Do you remember that, Geneva? 1560? That was the first one. The first English Bible that come into with chapters and verses. There's, and it's really great because you can say chapter 2, verse 1. But without chapters and verses, it was a little bit different. They memorized it through the narrative. But sometimes there's chapters broken up in portions of scriptures. And today, this is one of them where it's really a continuation of chapter one and not another chapter. And we're going to talk about that a little bit so, so that I can get you to know the little bit gist of it. Let's go back just a few verses before we get into chapter two. In verse 22, it starts off like this. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brother's Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, 
and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached unto you. Now, let's stop now before we get into our portion this morning. And it says this. Look at the first portion. The first portion was you have been pure. You purified yourself. That was say my choice. Say my choice. My choice. Yeah, it's your choice. You have to choose. God has made you pure. Now it's your choice to purify yourself in the acts of righteousness. You have a choice in the journey. Write that down. You have a choice in the journey. People often always talk about, well, look at this, look at this. You have a choice in the journey because you have purified yourself. Now watch this. Because you have purified yourself, you obey the truth. You see that? You have to hear the truth. You have to do the truth. There comes obedience. Obedience is not the knowledge alone. Obedience is the knowledge and then the doing part. Someone say the doing part. Yeah, you have to do it. You have to know what God wants you to do, and then you have to do it. And what is that that God wants us to do? He says, so that you can have sincere love for the brothers from your heart. Sincere love. We talked about that. Having the you can't, you can't purify yourself, make yourself do the right thing, and then you, you have to do the right thing in order to do the right thing. You can't say, well, I know the right thing, but I'm not going to do the right thing. you got to come together on both of them. And then it says, you were not born with personal seed, but impersonal seed. This is where Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world. And the thing is, what we need to do is we really got to make sure that Jesus Christ is not something just we know. Yeah, I know Jesus loves me. You know what? I know Jesus is there. But how many times do you hear someone say, I know, I know, Jesus loves me, I know, I've heard it. Yeah, I know he's with me, I know, I know, but, see, do we really know it if we're going to put a conjunction on it? And then it says this, men or humanity is like the grass and the flowers of the field. What does that mean? How many have flowers growing up in your, your um, around your house or in your garden that come up and you say, what beautiful flowers, and then the season goes away, and what happens to the flowers? They're all gone. The beauty was there, and then it was gone. That's what the scripture is saying about our life. Our life is but a vapor, James says. It's here, and it's gone. We only have a short amount of time to do something good and great for our God. Someone say amen. If you're still here, that means God still says you still have time to do something great and good and awesome with the power of God. He's on your side. But he says, but then it ends this in the last part. He says, but the word of God stands forever. How many of you want to just stand with God forever? How many want to stand with something temporary or stand forever? Yeah. The word of God is true. And it tells us that this is the word that was preached to us that brought deliverance to us. Now let's look at this morning's portion of scripture. It's, it's a beautiful one, but it's going to challenge you. Starts off here in verse 1 of chapter 2, which is a continuation of chapter 1. It says, therefore. That means everything that was just said in chapter 1, this is bringing it down to a conclusion of how we are to behave as believers in Christ Jesus. It says, rid yourself of all malice, of all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, like newborn babies, Crave pure spiritual milk so that you 
so that by it you may grow up in all the salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is mm, mm, good. Yeah, the mm, mm, is not in there, but you know what I mean, right? So check this out. Now this is a therefore. How many know that there's for a reason, right? It's there for what? It's there for you to know. It's there for you to know. Look at this. If God's going to do a consolidation on what he just said, and he says a therefore, look what he tells us to do. He says, rid yourself. This is, this is big. Rid yourself. What, what does it mean to rid yourself of something? It is to get it out. Get away from it. Disconnect from it. No longer feed it. No longer be involved. Rid yourself of these things. If I had weights on my back, and everywhere I went, I had 50 pounds of weight on my back, what would you say? What would you say if I said to you, man, I have such back problems, and my shoulder hurts, and I really am oh, struggling, and I had 50 pounds of weight on my back, what would you tell me? Hey, buddy, you got to get rid of the weight. Get rid of the 50 pounds and you're going to be able to move so much better. Well, God is telling us to rid ourselves of certain things in our life as believers. Get this now. As believers that sometimes we can connect ourselves with again. Why? 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 Because we get hurt. Because someone says something unkind to us. Someone does something to us unkind and therefore we get angry. And he gives us a few things here to rid. What do we are to rid? We got malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. So let's look at each one. Let's look at malice. Malice, a desire to hurt someone with words or deeds. When you have malice to someone is that that person has hurt you some way that you like to hurt them back. You have a heart to want to do harm because you have been hurt by another person. Malice. If you want to hurt yourself, if you want to ruin your life, carry malice towards another person. Do not forgive another person. Have resentment towards another person. The most miserable people I know, the most miserable people I know who can snap like this are people who have malice in their heart. They have allowed the enemy of their soul to cause them to hold on, to be resentful of a person because of the hurt and harm they have given. And the Lord is in his word, throughout his word, you'll see this in a moment. He tells us, get rid of it. Get rid of those things. Those things will hurt you, they will bind you, and they will prevent you from receiving what God has for you because of malice. I might just put a little PS here. This might be a tough message. <laughs> deceit. Deceit. You know, sometimes people will deceive people to try to get something they want. You can just say lie. Because that's exactly what deceit is. It's, it is to gain advantage of something that someone else has. Or to gain a benefit that you want. And therefore, you deceive, you bring deceit to make a person think something that you did that you didn't do. You know, sometimes uh, one of the things that I, I, I kind of think is a little fallacy, I, I'm not a resume person. People can put anything on a resume and people don't really know. You can make yourself look real good on paper. Let me just say something. 
that most people don't do sometimes and that just because they say they graduate from a certain school with a certain degree doesn't mean they did. People who are wise will find out if their resumes are true. You see, you can deceive people by what we put down on paper. But God says, rid yourself of slander. Rid yourself of deceit. Well, slander is coming, but malice. Hypocrisy, I like hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is just comes from the word hypocrite. The Greek word is really to wear a mask. That's where to, to act out something. And when you a hypocrite actually says one thing and what? Does another. So when you look at the Greek definition of hypocrite, it, it simply means one who wears a mask. What you see is not really the real person. And can I encourage everybody here? Listen, if you know me and, and you know me good enough, I believe in wearing one mask. It's called mine. Now, you may not approve of it. You may not like it because what you see is kind of like what you get. But I only have one mask. And I just want to think all of us should have one mask and be real. R-E-A-L. Because when you try to be something you're not, or you're trying to appease, or you're trying to make everybody happy, whenever you try to make everybody happy, you will be the most unhappy person. So be real. Don't put on a mask. Be who you are. That's who God made you. Hypocrisy. God says, get rid of hypocrisy in your life. Envy, envy, envy. What is the definition of envy? Envy is a desire... A feeling of resentment for some other person because they're privileged. Now, I did use the word privileged, if you watch the news. Or they have benefits that a person is envious of having. You know, I have. A, let me fight back a little bit about this culture we have a little bit about privileged. You know what? It's not what other people have is the problem. It's the attitude in which people carry there's people who always will have something more than you. But you know what I've learned? You know what I've learned? I've been with both sides of the street. Just because a person has doesn't mean a person's happy. The Bible says, what if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? He profits absolutely nothing. I want you to understand this. He gains the whole world, but gains nothing. You say, that don't make sense. No, it's not. It's in a different economy. It's in a different economy. We strive and drive to get all the things of this world, but this world's not going to fill your cup, friends, family. So we have to be careful that we don't let the ugly monster of envy and the greed come into the equation where we think we just got to get, we got to get. I want what they got. Sometimes when you get what someone else got, you wish you didn't get it. But you don't know that until you get that. But God says, get rid of envy. Get rid of covetousness. Get rid of those things that's going to bring you down. Stop looking at the, the other grass greener. Because the grass that's greener is built on a septic tank. Slander. Slander. This is a legal term. Boy, I guess a lot of people could be in court today with this word. If they ever choose to follow through on it. Here's the legal term of slander. It is an act of harming a person's reputation by telling one or more people something that's untrue. <laughs> you want to damage the other person. When you slander someone, it's actually trying to attack their reputation to a point where you ruin by spreading lies. It's not true. You're just trying to hurt the person because you have malice in your heart. You slander them. God says, get rid of that. 
slander could be slash gossip. Get rid of that. My dad says, if my dad used to say to me all the time, all the time, I, I, there's a couple of sayings he's always said. He who lives in a glass house shouldn't throw stones. And if you have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. So I went through my life. <laughs> it, is, it is a murder to who they are, to a person's identity. It's trying to steal their identity by lying about them. You want to slander them, slay them. Yes. Revelation chapter 12, 10. Look what it says. The devil is known as a, an accuser, a slanderer. It says here in Revelation chapter 12, 10. Listen to this. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come the salvation and the strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuses them before our God day and night. There is an enemy of your soul that always wants to bring condemnation. But according to Romans 8, verse 1, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Someone says, I got the victory. Come on, someone say it with that. I got the victory. I mean, you've got to get it in your bones and understand who you are and the identity to have destiny. You've got to know you're more than a victorious person when you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You've got to lift up your head a little higher. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know even when the winds are blowing, God's still your, on your throne. You've got to really know it to really live in it. Psalms 101 verse 5 says this, Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him will I destroy. No one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. You want to say that's pretty straight? That's God speaking. That's God speaking to us saying, God, that's why he, all through scripture you're seeing, get rid of it. Rid yourself of these things, the way we think. Rid yourself of these things because these are areas of sin that can consume even a believer's life if allowed. You see, but they hurt me. And it's not right that they get off with this. I know, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But have you sinned against God? Yeah. Have you done wrong yourself? Yeah. But, 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 but this, this is a 10 and mine's a 2. No. What was the sin in the Garden of Eden? Was it a bad one? Eating of a piece of fruit? It's not the level of sin. Sin has consequences by itself by what it is. But the reality is sin is sin. Disobedience is disobedience. And if God can forgive you, come on now. If God can forgive you, come on, get in your heart. If God can forgive you, you can forgive others. You see how it goes? I need to get an organ behind me. Mm. I think, Tim, I can could, I could really preach if I got some, got some woo. <laughs> look, at, look at this portion of scripture here found in Colossians. Colossians really is a beautiful portion of scripture. Look what it says. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life 
you once lived, but now, but now, you must, but now, see, you used to live this way, but now you need to rid yourself of all such things as these. Here's the list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean, well, I'm a saint and, you know, I'm not going to do wrong. No, you have to rid yourself. It is a choice to walk in the righteousness that God has provided for you to walk into. It's a relationship that's real. It's a relationship that God wants. And And even your struggle, struggle is not bad because the struggle is what makes you stronger. It's just like that butterfly that's in that sack. He's struggling. But when you stop struggling now, hear this. When you stop struggling, you stop growing. When you stop struggling, you stop. When you just say, well, you know what? I just can't do it. I can't. I just can't. Can't. No, it's not can't. It's won't. Let's be honest with yourself. Stop saying I can't do it. No, it's won't. I won't do it. People like to give all kinds of excuses of this or excuses of that. It's not this an excuse. You want an excuse, you can find one any time of the day. It's not I can't or I just can't do it. No, no, you don't want to do it. It's a choice. It's all a choice. Let me take you one step further. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. What a great book Ephesians is. It says, do not let any unwholesome t- uh, talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs. That is that it may benefit those that listen. So I, I, it comes down to this, so that it, whatever you say, it needs to build up people. And if your words are not building up people, then maybe you ought not to use the words. Because the words that come out of my mouth are important. Say that. The words that come out of my mouth are important. They're important. The Bible even says every word is accountable in Scripture. So I want you to understand something. God really wants you to make it a choice to rid yourself of these things. Now watch this, watch this. This is going to go on, and I'm going to hone this in in the Scripture. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which you are sealed for the day of redemption. It's verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ the God has forgiven you. Ooh, did you. Did you catch that? Did you just catch that? Did you get the secret sauce? Huh? Did you get the secret sauce in the Savior or the Savior's secret sauce? Just as I forgave you, forgive them. And the words that come out of our mouths, get rid. And there's the list again. All through scriptures, it's telling the believer of Christ to get rid of these things. Why? These things will prevent us from growing greater in God. Because what we do, we give ourselves an excuse with my little chair. You know, we get an excuse. Uh, I'm tired. Uh, I don't want to preach today, Lord. Oh, I'm talking about me. <laughs> oh, Lord, my body aches and stuff. Oh. Look, can you get someone else to do I don't feel like it. Have you ever said that? You don't feel like it? I don't feel like it. Oh, how about this? Oh, yeah, I don't want to go. Not, they don't treat me nice. You ever said that to other people? I don't want to go pick them up. I don't want to help this person. They don't treat me nice. Suck it up, buttercup. 
Suck it up, buttercup. You know, sometimes we just want to sit down and just not do anything. We just want to sit down and just complain. Oh, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. God, you know, but nobody else. And we just really miss the boat. Stop sitting and stop doing. Get rid of the things that's holding you back. Let the Spirit of God fill you. Let the Spirit of God lead you. And then God will do a great work through you. Look at your neighbor and give him a high five. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, listen. This is so important to get rid of all of that list that you see before you. Peter and Paul by the Holy Spirit, is challenging the church, challenging believers to get rid of those things that entangle them, just like Hebrew tells us. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, anger, filthy language, rage, bitterness, lying, and the list can go on. You know, if you go to Mark chapter 7, and we talked a little bit about this previous weeks. But the Jewish people would always wash their hands. And they washed their hands because they thought something could evil could come in them and defile them. But Jesus in Mark chapter 7 simply says, no, no, no. It's not what you take in that defiles the body. It's what goes out that defiles the body. You know, you, can, you know, you and I, we live in the real world. All around us is things that are not good sometimes for us. I mean, we have the advertisements. We have so many stuff that's around us. We live in a world that's not God's world. We understand that. We know that there's a system that, not, that doesn't line up with God's ways. We understand that. The scriptures are very clear. One day, God says he's coming back, and he's going to make all things right. But he will let individuals make their choices and their choices will be their results. It's very clear in Scripture. And you can, and there's so many people who would think they're so smart. They have all the answers in the world. I like them just to study the butterfly a little bit. And all the things that take place in the transformation in that sack between a caterpillar and between a butterfly's beauty. Look at the chemicals, transactions that take place within that sack. And tell me that just happened. And that's just one thing we can see. Oh, yeah, there's a metamorphosis taking place in there. That's what God has done. You know, one of the greatest testimonies is when we're, we get saved. You know, you ever get someone who is like the meanest man, in, in, like Leroy Brown, the baddest man in the whole town? You know him? I know a few Leroys who are pretty bad. You know, all that and a bag of chips. Reminds me of the story of the sword and switchblade with Wilkinson. You know, all of a sudden, here's this bad guy, but he has a transformation on the inside of heart, and he becomes different. Why is that? Because they encounter God. They encounter God. It's a beautiful thing that takes place. So the Lord's saying, no, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of us. And here, with this portion of Scripture, in the beginning of 2 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, rid yourself of these things, these hindrances, these sins, because they will prevent you from growing in your relationship, your intimacy with God. You want to get close to God? You really want to get close to God? And then you've got to be obedient. That's how you get close to God. It's so important. I was thinking, and I was actually talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, you know, what is a good example? What is a good example of obedience? I said, because I started looking for good examples of obedience. And then all of a sudden, Jeremiah 35 came to my mind. 
And I said, oh, God, that is an excellent one. And if you don't know what Jeremiah 35 is, is Jeremiah 35 talks about a group of people, nomadic people, who are called the Rechabites. And the Rechabites were individuals who had a forefather, 200 years in advance, Jonadab, come down with rules for them to follow. And some of the rules were simple. Only four rules he said to follow. I want you to keep your nomadic, um, your nomadic, these are people who just lived in tents. That's all they did. They went from place to place to live in tents. That's what nomadic is. And this is the four things he said. I want you to abstain from wine. I want you to um, abstain from sowing seeds. I want you to abstain from building houses. And I want you to abstain from planting vineyards. So I don't want you to settle anywhere. I want your dependency to be on God. And that's kind of what it is. Don't get so locked in so when war breaks out, it's no big deal to pack up and move to a place that's peaceful. You're not, you're not leaving anything behind because we have the freedom to move. So here's what he gave. This is what he gave. So God said to Jeremiah, I want you to invite the Rechabites in. And that's what he says. I want you to give them some wine to drink. Bring them to the tabernacle and I want you to give them some wine. So that's what he did. He invited them in and he gave wine. And you know what they said to the prophet of God? No way. Jeremiah, we're not going to touch this wine. We made a commitment to our forefather, Jonadab, 200 years ago. So you're looking at generations, at least two or three generations, working on the third generation. And we, not to touch wine, not to plant vineyards, not to plant seed, and not to build houses. And we have kept it to this day. And this is what God said. God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, my people can't even obey the words I had just given them in the present. Here's the Rechabites. They have kept their forefathers' word, command for 200 years. And God said that they will always have a man from that tribe to sit on the throne, to sit in the, in, in the work of God. God blessed that whole clan because of their faithfulness to Jonadab, their forefathers. I want you to understand obedience is important. Now listen, 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 listen. Look at me. I know we've all messed up. Is there anybody in this room who ever made one mistake and messed up once, just once? Just, just, we've got one, just once over here. How about twice? Anybody? We've got twice, twice. Yeah, yeah. How about three times? Anybody three times? Uh, three. Okay, you get the point? But how many know there's forgiveness? How many know there's no condemnation for those in Christ? How many know that greater is he that's in you than in the world? How many know that you're more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ? Isn't it so great? Hey, wait, wait. Hey, did anybody know Peter, the one we're talking about? How many times did he mess up that we know of? What, what, what did Jesus, when Jesus came to him, did Jesus remind him of his mess ups? No. You know what he did? He picked him up. He encouraged him. He continued. He picked him up. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. That's what God wants to do with you. It's not your mistake, but stay in the struggle. Because the struggle, just like that caterpillar, turn it into a body. It's the struggle that makes you stronger. Stop trying to just sit down and, and, and do nothing. Stand up, women of God. Stand up, man of God. And become the man and women of God God calls you to be. Triumphant, victorious. Know who he is. Know that the big God of all creation is by your side. Amen. Lift up your chin. Don't allow the struggles and the pressure to come your way. That's just the enemy trying to pull you down. But greater is he that's in you. We need to know who our God is. We need to walk strong. Walk steady. 
Walk obedient. And if you fall down, you get back up. You confess your sins and go before God. And God says, okay, my child, get going again. Okay, God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm back in the running again. Uh-huh. I just passed that guy. I'm, I'm doing better. <laughs> Got to finish. Oh, I'm telling you, it's good stuff. Ephesians chapter 4. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self which is being corrupt by its deceitful desires. To be made anew in the attitude of your mind. What happens in your mind dictates everything that happens in your vessel. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Let's look at this portion of scripture right here. In First Peter again. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and of all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Let me stop for a second. Come here, Warren. Let me show you something here. Because this is exactly how sometimes we live in our life. Hi, Juan. I'm Pastor Brian. How are you? Good, yeah. good. good. Feel glad that you want to come up here. <laughs> it's so often that we live our life and we're a believer, but we allow things in our life to come in. And when we allow them to come in, they bring baggage our way. They bring weight our way. And they prevent us from learning. It happens with luggage. Luggage. This is malice. Malice. Someone hurts you. One, all of a sudden, someone hurts you. A friend hurts you. And all of a sudden, man, you get so mad. You can't believe. You can't believe they did that to you. But you don't forgive. Stay right there. So you think it, like, like. <clears throat> there we go. So that's malice. Malice. I, I want you to understand something that's really, really hard is that then we get another luggage, and this is deceit. Because now he's hurt, he's hurt, you know? He's deceiving everybody that, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. But, but, but no, he's not okay. So, now he has more, lag, more luggage and stuff. He's just loading it up there. Slander. Now, all of a sudden, he's starting to say some stuff. He's starting to really kind of, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth starts speaking. He got some slander. <laughs> then we go, got envy. There it is, envy. All of a sudden, like, he's wishing that, you know, he could be like such and such because, no, I've been hurt and now he, this happened to me and now this has put me back. It's just not fair. I should be CEO of the company. So now he has envy on him. He's carrying all this, all this weight on his body. <clears throat> and then hypocrisy. It all fits in. All because of pain. All because he holds on. Hold on, you dropped slander. Yes, 
You see, this is exactly what happens when we, we carry all this. This is how we look in our life. But see, you can't see the luggage, but it's all inside. Oh, he's a believer. He's a believer, but he's carrying all these things in the heart because he hasn't let it go. Hasn't forgiven. He has carried the pain, not forgiven the pain. So he walks around with all this baggage, and everywhere he goes, he puts a smile on his face that he's okay. I'm okay, but he's not okay because he has all this baggage. He's letting all the sin preset him, entangle him up because on the inside of his heart, he hurts. And so all of a sudden now, he has all of this stuff hanging in him. But watch this now. His God's, God's blessings and benefits, all that Peter's talking about, all of the blessings and benefits that God has, he wants to give it to his child, but his child is carrying so much luggage, he doesn't have no room. He doesn't have any more hands to carry another one. And in order to receive what God has, you've got to let go of what you think you have a right to. When Peter is talking about getting rid of these things, Peter saying to people who are hurting, a people who are struggling, a people who truly are in pressure and in pain. And he said, don't let what the people do to you to cause you to be like this and to carry these sins upon you. Don't let other people control you with what they do to you. Let God be the one that fills you so you know how to respond to those that hurt you. So you always live higher than the pain, higher than the pressure. So all of a sudden, God wants to give him, and he speaks to him and says, Son, I want to give this to you, but you got to let go. you got to forgive. Let it go. 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 Hey, that's costly. That's costly. Let it go. Let it go. Kick it over. Let it go. Yeah. Now, son, how much freer do you feel? You feel good. I'm going to give you my benefits and my blessings. Does you happy? <laughs> you see what happens? I just gave you a physical demonstration of what really takes place in a believer when we truly let God be God. In order to receive God's benefit and blessings, you have to take off the sins that are holding you back. Get rid of the thoughts that are bringing hurt to you because you haven't forgiven. Yes, someone hurt you. Yes, they violated you. Yes, it was 100% wrong. Yes, it was hurtful. But you know what? You have a God who understands that because while he was on the cross, they were still mocking him. And yet he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's why the command in Scripture is to get rid of these things so you do not run with baggage, but instead you run with his benefits and his blessings for your life so that you can be a blessing and a benefit to others. Amen? Thank you. For a consolation prize, you can keep the luggage. No, not really. Thanks, buddy. You see, this, this here trumps everything else. There we go. It trumps it. Now, I don't know about you, 
But you've got to ask yourself, what are the things in your life that really you're holding on to? This is, between, this is something that's very, very, very important for us to understand. Look at the next scripture. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with a perseverance, the race mocked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down the right hand of the throne of God. Did you get that? It says, let us run. One, could you run so much freer without all the baggage? He could run so much easier with just one bag that's full than all the other bags that entangles. Look at the portion of Scripture we'll look at today. It says in verse 2, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. When we understand the benefits and blessings of God, we understand He's so good. If you've tasted it, then you understand it. But let me look at this word crave. The word crave here simply means to have an intense longing. The word crave simply comes down that you have such a strong desire for God. Crave, crave the spiritual milk. You know, when a baby is born, one of the first things that naturally takes place is when he latches on to his mom a breast. That's a natural thing. You want to talk about creation? Right there is a beautiful thing. When all of a sudden this baby's born, he wants to eat. He, he's going to eat. And he, and he has this desire to eat. There should be a natural desire for us to eat off of the spiritual milk of, of God. And when we start on the milk, then we go to the meat. You see, the reality is... In this world today, so many people think of breastfeeding and you want to just, you're so proper that you don't even understand how God created things. It's the way God created it. It didn't just happen. God created it. And God uses what you see visually to help you understand something spiritually. You see, you understand that we need to have that same spiritual understanding, that craving for God, just like a baby craves the mother's milk. But let me ask you a question. From 1 to 10, how, what number would you give your craving for God? How much do you crave God? How much do you really want God? Because if you look at the scriptures here, like newborn babies, and newborn baby, they crave. They crave a lot of things. Warmth. They crave clean diapers. They, clean, they, they crave food. They crave a lot of things. They crave waking you up early in the morning just because they think they can. Like newborn babies crave... Pure, pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Listen, saints, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ and you're not even in your Bibles, we have an issue here. If you're not even spending time with God, you have an issue. You have a label without content. You're expecting God to do everything for you, but you're doing very little. Listen, even a baby knows what he needs. Even a Christian should know what they need. 
And you should want and crave the intimacy of being with God, the intimacy of God's Word. You need to crave. And if you're having a problem learning to crave, then I'm asking you to learn again to crave. Now that you have tasted, the Lord is good. Have you ever gone and had a meal and it tasted great? It was so good. And someone come up to you and you said, this is so good, so good. And they're like, no, it isn't. No, really, I, I, just, I'm, I just had it. it. It's so good. It is delicious. No, it's not. How can you tell me that? I just had it. You want a bite? No, no, I don't want a bite. It's delicious. No, it's not. It, it, that's exactly what Christians do all the time. We do it. God said, taste and see. No, God, you know what? No, God, you have other things. You're too busy. No, God, I don't want to do it. God says, no, taste. Will you please taste and see? No, God, you know, I, I, I know, yeah, you know, uh, you know, there's other people out there that are worse than me. God, give me a break. Where's your hunger? Stop giving all that junk and say, well, you know, and put yourself over. Give you, get boldness and say, I understand who God is. God wants you to come. God wants you to come. God wants you to come. And don't say, well, God, you know, no, no. No, God say, no, no. You're disobedient by not coming. Come when I ask you to come. That's obedience. You love God? Do what he asked you to do. Not according to your timetable, but according to his. Just come to him. Forget the excuses. I hear the enough excuses. Oh, I imagine what God hears. Just don't give God an excuse. Just come to him. Now we try to excuse everything. Like we know better. No, we don't. Stop it. I don't care how long you've been in the Lord. Every day, his mercies are new every morning. Stop being stubborn. Just come. That's all he says. Just come. And when you come, when you come, here's the benefit now. <laughs> when you come, here it goes, you ready? Then you will experience God's love, his peace, his provision, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. Do you want that? Then you've got to come. Then you've got to come. It's that simple. You see, you've got to get rid of it. Get rid of it. And you've got to come. Stand to your feet, please. Those watching online, listen. God wants you to get rid of those things, the things that are in your life. Those here, the things in your life, listen. If you get those things in your life and you don't deal with them, you'll stay the same. You'll stay the, you will not change because you need to rid yourself, separate yourself from all these things. If you've been hurt by someone, yes, it's painful. Yes, it's hard. You've gone through a hard situation, a hard circumstance, whatever it may be. Pain is pain. The situation may change, but pain is pain. So what we have to do, what we have to do is we have to come before God and just come before God. Why don't you close your eyes right where you are? Those watching online, close your eyes right where you are. Let's go before God's throne. Father, I ask right now that, Lord, if there's someone here in this room, Lord, that do not know you, God, but they want to know you. Maybe somebody online that do not know you, they do not know if they died right now, they're not sure that heaven be their home. As believers pray, I ask right now, Father, that you would touch. They would understand that you died for them. They loved them so much that you died on the cross. And that they would understand that they are loved. You are loved. You are loved. And because of what Jesus Christ has done, God wants to give you new life by accepting him as Lord and Savior. 
He died on the cross. He rose on the third day, just like he said. He's the only one that has defeated sin, death, and the grave. He is God. He is Lord. He is over all. His name is Jesus Christ, the living Son of God who came to redeem all humanity, to give them the way of hope, of forgiveness, of joy. He's Jesus. Maybe you're here today, and maybe some of the things that have come into your heart, maybe some pain, maybe some unforgiveness, maybe from things that you've been hurt, and you've been slanderous, you've been envious, you've been unforgiving towards certain individuals, you've carried the heaviness when you just mentioned their name or a certain person, a situation, and you know God has spoken to you today. Just raise your hand right where you are, right where you are. Yes, 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 yes. Maybe you online, that maybe things have come in and, and, and just, you know, you're, you call yourself a believer, but, but certain things have come in and you can see that these sins have easily preset you and they entangle you. And you get this mess here, all this like luggage carrying everywhere you go because you're not getting, running after the heart of God. You need to let them go. It's a choice. It's a choice to let go. Right now, those things, right now, those that raise your hand, those online, right now, you know, I want you to just, I'm, and just say the person's name underneath your lips, you know, in your heart. No longer do they control me. No longer will I let their actions dictate my mood, my day, my life. Their choices are their choices. I no longer allow those things. I, war, I live and live for my God. I release the hurt. I forgive the pain. I forgive them. Just from your lips, I forgive them. I forgive them. In the name of Jesus, I forgive them. That's the greatest deliverance is forgiveness. And then you receive his hope, his peace, his grace. Father, I ask right now that you would touch, help, deliver each one, God, as they come to you, Lord. No longer holding, but in the name of Jesus, let freedom reign in Jesus' name. My deliverance come by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I thank you for who you are and all you've done. I ask your Holy Spirit to minister. I thank you for what you have done and will do and do greater things in the individual's lives as they learn to walk free, delivered, in Jesus' name, amen. Give some praise in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give some praise. Give a shout. Give some praise in the house of the Lord. Blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.